Welcome to Season 3 of The Successful Strategist, a podcast on strategy, management, and governance dedicated to helping you address the most important questions any organization can ask. I'm Mitchell Muncy, a consultant who has co-founded or led five startups, for-profit and non-profit, spanning the media, public policy, and higher education. In these practical five-minute episodes, I cut through jargon and myth to offer you the same advice I give my clients. Good morning. This is the fifth and final episode in a series on the definition of strategy. I'll repeat my definition. Strategy is a hypothesis about how an organization can become and remain unique that integrates the choices required to solve problems. Over the previous four episodes, I've focused on each of the four concepts in this definition. Problem, uniqueness, choice, and hypothesis. Today, I want to finish by talking about strategy and culture. Strategy and culture are often thought of as being opposed, or at least rivals for dominance in an organization. An organization's culture is often used as an excuse for a strategy's failure, or an excuse for not developing strategy at all. Managers will cite Peter Drucker, one of the most famous management thinkers of the 20th century, for his comment that culture eats strategy for breakfast. But there's no evidence Drucker said that, and understanding the definition of strategy clarifies the relationship between strategy and culture. Before I go further, I want to remind you that to celebrate the anniversary of the podcast, I'm giving away a one-year digital subscription to the Harvard Business Review. I'll select one listener at random from those who, during the month of April, leave a rating and a review of The Successful Strategist on Apple Podcasts and join my email list. Visit prosperallc.com backslash giveaway or see the show notes. The point behind the false Drucker quotation is that no matter how good your strategy is, your organization's culture can prevent it from being implemented. This isn't wrong, but it doesn't prove quite what many think it does. I've pointed out before that strategy and execution are the same. A brilliant strategy doesn't fail because of poor execution. Poor execution reveals a poor strategy. And this is precisely what the point about culture shows. There's no way to develop a good strategy without considering whether frontline employees are able or willing to act on it. The quality of both strategy and culture is determined by one of the three key elements of strategy development, fit. Strategy is the fit between an organization's activities, and culture is the fit between employees. A common example from nature illustrates the importance of fit. Carbon exists in many forms, two of which are graphite and diamonds. They are quite different, of course. Graphite is soft and dark. Diamonds are hard and clear. What makes the difference is how the individual carbon atoms fit together, and their fit is what makes them useful for quite different tasks. We can't write with a diamond or propose marriage with a piece of graphite. The integrity of the individual carbon atoms is important, but what is decisive is how they're arranged. 
Likewise, if the leaders of an organization don't craft and maintain a mutually reinforcing fit between an organization's activities, if they don't ensure that each activity is stronger precisely because of the way the organization performs all its other activities, the organization will be in competition with itself, and its activities will draw resources away from each other. The same is true for culture. Nicholas Christakis, who has done groundbreaking scholarship on human networks, puts it this way. Connect people in one way and they're kind. Connect them in another way and they're mean jerks. In what way should your employees be connected? How do you decide? Returning to the definition of strategy, you'll see that the connection between your employees must support the connection between your activities. That is, it must support your hypothesis about how your organization can become and remain unique. Strategy and culture must be mutually reinforcing. And good strategy doesn't demand capabilities the culture doesn't have without first explaining how the organization can acquire them. But strategy development comes first because it determines what kind of fit you need between your employees. My question for today is, do you see strategy and culture as complementary or in competition? This is the conclusion of Season 3. Season 4 will launch on May 31st and address a question people don't ask often enough. Should I even want to be an executive, much less a CEO? Most people learn about podcasts from friends and colleagues. If this episode was helpful, please take 30 seconds right now to recommend The Successful Strategist to one other person. And be sure you haven't missed any of the previous episodes. If you'd like to receive my twice-monthly newsletter, which includes show notes and a summary of important ideas about strategy, management, or governance, sign up at thesuccessfulstrategist.com. I'm glad we could invest this time together. Remember, being a successful strategist doesn't require specialized training or unique insight, just a commitment to asking the right questions. The Successful Strategist is a production of Prospera LLC, a consulting firm providing strategy development, nonprofit due diligence, crisis management, and interim executive management to mission-driven organizations and philanthropists. Learn more at prosperallc.com. This is Mitchell Muncy. Talk to you next time.